Good evening. Our reading this evening is taken from Luke chapter 20, beginning at verse 20. And it can be found on page 1055 of the Church Bibles in the chairs in front of you. That's Luke chapter 20, verses 20 to 26. Keeping a close watch on him, they sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said, so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw through their duplicity and said to them, Show me a denarius whose image and inscription are on it? Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. They were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public and astonished by his answer, they became silent. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, as we come to this short passage, perhaps uh, very familiar to a lot of folk here, we just pray that nonetheless your Holy Spirit will be at work, that you will speak through me and you will speak to our hearts, that we will learn more of you tonight. Amen. Now, I don't know what you thought about last week's sermon. Um... But I gather that Jack Reacher went a bit over a lot of people's heads, that it was, it was a bit too highbrow. So um, we got a change of pace this week. Um, I don't, can we just pop the picture up? We've got a picture there. Yeah, there we go. Um, this, is a, this is a picture by Peter Rubens, painted in 1612. Now, if you can't see all the detail, because we're going to use it a bit, well, it serves you right for sitting at the back. There's two things you can do about it. There's space down at the front, and we're going to use it quite a lot. So if you'd like to sit more clearly, do come on down and fill up a space. Uh, The alternative is you can pop over to San Francisco, uh, and it's hanging there in the main gallery there. And it's it's a socking great picture. And uh, it's obviously a bit sort of dated, 1612 is a long time ago, and it's obviously set uh, uh, in our in time. But the reason I love these paintings is they are packed with little clues and little hidden messages about what the, what the, pa- that the painter wants us to pick up. So we're going to use it to help us. As we look at this passage, if you've got the Bible still near you, it's on page 1055 of this short passage. Now, I gather um, after this service, KO are looking at hot potato. Is that right? Doing a hot potato? Uh, and we're having hot potatoes after the, uh, after the service tomorrow. Well, here is another hot potato. This was the hot potato for the Jewish nation at the time. Is it right, is the question, isn't it? Is it right or is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar. 
Now, this isn't a question about is it wrong or right to pay taxes. The question really was about paying it to Caesar. This was an occupied country. This is like uh, people in Kherson being forced to pay taxes in rubles to Moscow and, and stuff like that. The problem was that the people of Israel were being told to pay taxes to the Roman emperor. And what was worse was that the Roman emperor claimed to be God. Um, it's a bit blurry, actually. Sometimes he claims to be God. Sometimes he claims to be God's son. But, you know, either way, he was claiming to be divine. And a new God-fearing Jew was going to pay that tax. Um, and in fact, there was a real sort of mishmash of views on it. On, on, on one extreme, there were the people who would say, we just do not pay that tax. And some had rebelled over that, and some had been killed over that. And, and that, was, that was going on about the time Jesus was born. Um, there were others, uh, like the Pharisees, the priestly class, who kind of equivocated and said, well, they, they paid it grudgingly. Um, that's a Pharisee in the middle of that picture, probably, the priest. You know, the Pharisees were the rich priests of the day. Uh, and there's that one uh, in the middle of our picture. And there was another group of people called the Herodians. Uh, they were the sort of uh, the, the people who, the, the King Herod fan club, if you like. Uh, they just wanted King Herod to do well. So they said, oh, it's fine, we'll pay the taxes. I think that's probably the chap in the back in the, all the, the gold and, and, and stuff like that. But these people come together. Verse 20, this, this mismatch of rebels and priests and establishment figures, they come together and they're the they in verse 20. They set up these stooges to ask this question of Jesus because they know, however he answers it, whichever one he agrees with, they're going to get Jesus into trouble. It's actually, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? If Jesus says, no, don't pay the tax, well, he's heading the same way as the rebels earlier, isn't he? He will be arrested, he'll be executed. It's, it's, it's an it's a obvious problem for him. But if he says, yes, do pay the tax, well, King Herod's supporters didn't care about popular support, but Jesus was protected by it. It was the crowds that protected Jesus. So the Pharisees think, well, if he says, yes, do pay the tax, then the crowds will desert him and we can get him. So what happens? Verse 24, he asks for a denarius. Uh, that was important because that was the coin used to pay the tax. They had to use a denarius to pay the tax. Now, um, I haven't got one. be really helpful. I don't know. Has anybody got a denarius? Colin, you've got one. Isn't that great? That's what Jesus did. He said, anybody got a denarius? And look at that. There we go. That's a denarius. Fantastic. So that's what Jesus does. He says, anybody got a denarius? And there we go. That's one. It's a slightly later emperor, actually. But never mind. That's uh, Antonine. But he's you know, near enough. Okay. There's a, there's a denarius. It, it's very tiny. Worth, I don't know, 50 quid, something like that. It's a kind of equivalent. Um, and on one side, I'm sure you can all see. Uh, there's Caesar's head. Have a look after it. So there's Caesar's head stamped on it with his name and description. Son of the divine Augustus, claiming to be God. 
And if you turn it over, there's a, there's a different image. Um, the image of justice, I think this one is. But that says Caesar is Pontifex Maximus. Wonderful name. Good name for a dog. Pontifex Maximus. It's actually the Pope's title, and it means high priest. Maximus, biggest Pontifex, the great high priest. So Caesar's telling us that he's God, and on the other side, he's telling us that he's our high priest. And so, verse 23, Jesus takes this little coin, and he points to it. That's what's going on here, isn't it? Jesus is pointing to that coin, and he says, well, look, this head here, whose head is it? And of course, it's Caesar's, isn't it? So he's able to say to Colin and the rest of them, Colin, you, you're, you've, you've got his coin in your pocket. You're obviously using Caesar's stuff. You're benefiting from Caesar's coinage. And in fact, you're enjoying all sorts of things Caesar's giving you. It's a bit like uh, you know, life of Brian and, and, and uh, what have the Romans done for us? You know, you're enjoying the aqueducts, you're enjoying the roads, you're enjoying Roman peace, you're enjoying all sorts of things. And this coin's a symbol of it. So don't come to me saying, well, you know, what, should we pay taxes to Caesar or, or, or not? The principle is, you're benefiting from this, so you owe it back to Caesar. Pay your dues, is what Jesus is really saying there. Mustn't lose that. And you know, that principle, uh, whether it's paying tax or paying your dues, that's still a principle uh, that applies to us. Uh, it's a very important principle in the Christian life. Peter and Paul, in their letters, uh, they'll both re- re- refer to it quite often. And there's all sorts of reasons why, why that's important. But there's just one, perhaps, to pick out, which almost links into why they asked this question. And that is that we don't do anything to allow people to criticize us as Christians or to bring shame on the Lord Jesus. I think it's astonishing. As you look at all the coverage of the Queen over the last few days, isn't it? It's amazing, in, at least in the mainstream media, I know Twitter may be different, but uh, in the mainstream media, how little anybody can find to criticize her in her personal conduct, isn't it? Absolutely extraordinary. You know, she worked her whole life to honour the crown and her king. And that is what uh, Jesus is really saying here. So do we behave in the right way that nobody can criticise us? And the presenting issue here is, is pay your taxes, isn't it? But there are all sorts of things in life where that idea of rendering to Caesar, paying our dues, comes in. And we could spend the rest of the evening sort of ferreting around, thinking of all the things uh, where we need to to think that through. Um, I mean, the obvious thing is tax returns. 
Uh, but we could talk about our, our working hours. Or we could talk about uh, how we do our coursework and our homework. Uh, I think probably an issue that's quite difficult for us at the moment is the whole area about downloading images. This is uh, public domain, by the way. But accessing images, accessing stuff online, sharing passwords, sharing Netflix accounts. You know, the stuff all around the edges. But it's very, very easy to forget this command that we render to Caesar what is Caesar. And we do that not because Jesus tells us to, although that's a pretty good reason, but because we don't do anything that allows people to criticize us as Christians. You know, if we're going to be persecuted, we are persecuted for following the Lord Jesus, not for anything else. But actually... This passage is not about paying taxes, and neither was this picture. You know, the people who were asking Jesus this question, they were remotely interested in Roman tax policies. What they were interested in, and this is what Nick was talking about last week, isn't it? What they wanted to do was to destroy Jesus. And you get a sense of that when you look at the picture. You look at those faces facing Jesus. They're hard and they're bitter and they're aggressive or they're just not interested in. They're not a happy bunny. And I think maybe that's why Jesus' answer is so short. It's a very short reading, isn't it? They ask a question and he simply says, yes, pay Caesar, get over it. It's a simple command. It's almost a sort of a brush off, isn't it? Just pay Caesar. And just as an aside, I think there's a little lesson there about we all get into those situations, don't we? At least I hope you get into situations where people ask you nasty questions because they know you're a Christian. I hope that does happen to you. It should do. People should be having a go at you. And you kind of need to know, we need to know when that's a genuine question and when it's just someone poking us. And there's a lesson here, isn't there? Don't waste time on long and elaborate, clever answers on someone who's really not interested. You compare this verse with how long Jesus takes talking to Nicodemus when he comes to see him in John. Chapters of of, of conversation with Nicodemus. But this is a very short, sharp answer. So we're not focusing particularly on paying taxes. But but where is the focus? Well, look again at the picture. And the whole focus, you're drawn in to this coin, aren't you? And you can see whoever's produced the coin, the Colin in our picture, uh, seems to be desperate to hang on to it. So we're focused on this coin. But where has Rubens shown Jesus wanting us to look? You see, Jesus is inviting them to look somewhere else, isn't he? Jesus is tempting them to change their perspective as he raises his hand up like that. Because Jesus doesn't simply say, yes, pay your taxes. That would have got him out of trouble for the moment. But what does he say? He says, verse 25, he says, give back to God 
Render to God, you might have in your translation. It's a, it's a sort of nicer word, really. But it's, it's that sense of giving back to God what is his. And I do wonder, this is poetic license, but I do wonder whether at that point he flicked the coin. I'd like to think he did. He might have done. He might always be doing that in the picture, mightn't he? Because there we've got Caesar on one side, but on the other side of those words, describing Caesar as the great high priest. And, and suddenly, though, the conversation has shifted gear, hasn't it? Suddenly we're not talking about taxes. Suddenly we're talking about God and our relationship with God and who puts you right with God. This isn't any more a question about being a good member of society. And I think that's probably why the answer gets Jesus out of the trap. He's simply saying, pay your tax because you owe it. But he's saying, don't worship Caesar. He's not your so-called high priest. He's not God. And he's not your way to God. So it sort of manages the question, but it leaves us with something to work with, doesn't it? What does he mean? Give back to God what is God's. And I suppose instantly, because we've been talking about money, we tend to think, well, he must be talking about money again. And you you might go back to uh, that passage. You might might remember it, 1 Chronicles, uh, where David has collected lots of stuff, silver, gold, jewelry, all sorts of stuff to build the temple. Uh, and, And he's got it all together. And he prays, and in his prayer, over all this fantastic amount of stuff he's collected, he says, everything comes from you, and we give only what has come from your hand. So when, when Jesus says, give back to God what is God's, he could simply be saying, well, give back stuff to God. Maybe that gives it to the church. Uh, as treasurer here, I think it's a very good principle. Uh, if you want to take that away today, that's excellent. It could simply be a matter of saying, we've been given stuff, so we give it back. And I'm sure that's true, and I'm sure actually that it goes beyond just money, doesn't it? It it applies to how we use our time, uh, and it applies to how we use our God-given talents, our spiritual gifts. Paul says in in Corinthians, seek those spiritual gifts, so those supernatural gifts, if you like, that will build up the church. So in other words, we seek those gifts so that we can give back. Whatever gift it is, whether it's management or teaching or, 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 or whatever it is, we give it back. So we might need to think whether we're sort of rendering to Caesar as we should do, but we might also need to have a little think about, well, are we giving back to God? What is God? Perhaps we need to ask the Holy Spirit just to prompt us to say, well, actually, hmm. You know, actually, I am keeping that little bit of time, that little bit of money, that little bit of something just to myself. That's my private little space. Maybe that's something to talk about in house groups or with a friend. Is there something that the Spirit is saying, no, you give that back to me. But remember this coin again and these two sides of it. We know it's Caesar's coin Because although it's got a bit worn over hundreds and hundreds of years, it's got Caesar's head stamped on it. 
We know it belongs to Caesar because it's got his likeness on it. You know, we've got a, a, a very strange picture at home. I really don't know why we've still got it. The more I think about it, the more we should throw it away. Um, it's a portrait, and it's not a very good one. It's a portrait of Cousin Wilfred. Now, I, oh, I don't know, 19th century, 100 or so years old. I think it's a very bad copy. Um, do you know, none of us know who Cousin Wilfred is or was. It's just sort of family law that we have Cousin Wilfred, and there's his picture. Um, and you look at Cousin Wilfred and say, well, who does he look like? Doesn't look like any of us. No family likeness at all. We don't think he's our cousin at all. If anybody's missing a Cousin Wilfred, then we may have available for you. But the point is, he doesn't bear the family image. He shouldn't really be in our house at all. He doesn't belong to us. And when Jesus talks about that image, his listeners perhaps would have resonated Genesis 1:27, where it says God created us humans in his image. So just the same way that Roman coin belongs to Caesar because it's got his image on it. Well, we belong to God because we are in his image. So Jesus isn't saying just give your stuff to God. He's not just saying give, give your time to God. He's saying give your whole selves, our whole, whole selves to God. Not even that, but back to God. We are God's. And he's saying come back to him. In fact, if you follow this on from where Nick was last week with what Jesus was saying about being, being the son, it's even more remarkable than that. God, Jesus isn't saying, give yourselves to God. He's just identified himself as God's son, just as Caesar was claiming to be God's son. So Jesus is effectively saying, give yourself to me. Give your whole self to me. I think that's why in verse 26 it says they were astonished by his answer and they were silent. They didn't like it. That's the images we got there, isn't it? Or they just didn't get it. And their reaction is just silence. But you know, I think Rubens, when he painted this picture, absolutely get, did get it. You look at Jesus, and he absolutely dominates the picture, doesn't he? He's in this red robe of a king, and from the coin right up through the robe, right up to his hand, he's pointing to heaven. Uh, Just that little bit of a halo still there, reminding us who he is. And there are the people effectively rejecting him in their hostility. And Jesus is calling them back to him. And it is coming back. We are not our own. We belong to God and we've been bought back with a price. You know, that robe Jesus is wearing there, it's a pretty strong color. It's blood red, isn't it? And it's as though it's flowing. So that red doesn't just stand for Jesus as king. It's a reminder also of the blood that's going to flow just a few days later, perhaps after this incident at Calvary. 
So at the end of the day, God actually isn't just interested in our stuff. He's not interested particularly on your Netflix sharing, although he is. What he really wants is you and me. He wants us to come back to him. And that's been a truth that sometimes we have to sort of uh, remember and remind ourselves day after day and year after year. A thousand years ago, St. Bernard wrote this. He said, offer what is yours and receive what is of God. Give what is temporal and embrace what is eternal. That is something we do at the moment we turn to Christ. That's the thing that is marked, if you like, by baptism. That moment of embracing the eternal as we receive what is of God's. But it's also a daily challenge, isn't it? Isn't it something every day we learn? It's not something we say, I'm a Christian now, let's move on. Every day we sort of get out of bed and we choose subconsciously what I'm going to give to God and what I'm going to keep back. And we all do that, don't we? Every day this is something we have to think through. And we often get it wrong. And I think Rubens knew that too. Because can you see next to Jesus, there's a, he's a bit hidden behind Jesus, but there's a sort of chap who looks like Father Christmas. Uh, if you ever you see a painting, a figure looks like Father Christmas in paintings like this, it's Peter. So there is Peter, St. Peter, if you like, the, the foremost disciple, the most famous disciple. He's you know, the founder of the church, if you like. And where's his focus? He's not looking where Jesus is pointing, is he? He's not looking at Jesus. But like everybody else, he's being drawn down to look at this coin and look at the transaction and look at what's going on. And that's a reminder for us that each of us every day just sometimes need to lift our eyes up. Every day we need to ask God's help to live a life of full and glad surrender, as the hymn puts it. Perhaps we need to echo the words of the marriage service every morning. As we say, all that I am, I give to you. All that I have, I share with you within the love of God. And that's scary. A few days after this, Jesus would show us what that complete surrender looks like. He he will go to his death for us and he gives himself body and, and, and spirit and a sacrifice of love so that we can come back to God. And you know what's really strange about this? I hadn't noticed this before. But at his trial, a few days later perhaps, we don't quite know. Do you remember this reference? Can you see verse 20? They want to hand Jesus over to the governor. Well, that governor was Pilate. They do eventually get him in front of Pilate. And Pilate seems to get the point. He seems to get the point that these guys are missing. You know, Jesus is accused in front of Pilate of opposing taxes to Caesar and of claiming to be king. If you like, the two sides of the coin again. And what does Jesus say? He doesn't say, what is your tax policy, Jesus? He says, are you a king? Pilate sort of gets it right, doesn't he? He knows what the important question is. Are you really king? Because it is a big question. 
If Jesus is Lord, as he's depicted here, is he, if he is king of the universe, then he's got every right to ask everything from me. And I can only gain by giving it. I think Rubens knew that. There's two reasons why I think I know that. Firstly, this is a really cryptic clue. But Jesus' hand, as it points to heaven, is spelling out his name of Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a, it's a, a weird thing that goes back to um, icons and what have you. But, but the way his hand is shaped spells out in his fingers the initials of his title, Jesus Christ, Jesus our Lord and our Saviour. And then I don't know whether you've noticed, but there's one other character we haven't really looked at. There's a guy in a funny sort of grey turban at the back, on the back left, behind the chap in the Father Christmas hat. Um, And that man, he's looking straight out of the picture at you. And that's Rubens. He's painted himself into it in the midst of these people who are rejecting Christ and turning their back on him. And he seems to be looking straight at us. And he's saying, well, what's your reaction to what's going on here? What are you going to do? Will you give back to God what is God's or not? It was a good question in 1612. And it's a good question tonight.